within the liturgical calendar of the church, there's so many special days in the calendar. And for me, it's always a great joy and excitement to celebrate these solemnities because there's something about them that means so much and should mean so much to each and every one of us. And on the liturgical calendar and the liturgical year, there's not very many solemnities on the calendar. All our Sundays are considered solemnities, but we have various solemnities scattered throughout our calendar that are obligatory solemnities, like today, the Immaculate Conception. The reason why they're marked as solemnity is because they play a very crucial and important part in salvation history. They're marking a special event, a special person, or for a special reason. And today marks the solemnity of an immaculate conception of our Blessed Mother. You may be wondering, why is it so important? And Father, why are you so happy and jittery and excited about it, like if it was Christmas Day? It sits very interestingly to describe what we're celebrating. It's sitting in the midst of Advent, in which we are awaiting for the coming of Christ. So if Jesus is going to become man and dwell among us, how is God going to be made flesh then? How is God going to come into this world to be God and man? It has to be through a means, a mode, or something to bring about that existence. And it is through Mary that God comes in the flesh to dwell among us. Okay, so he dwells among us and he's a part of our lives as God-man, God, God incarnate. What does that really mean for us? And what does that teaching really say and have to do with us in our daily lives? The doctrine of the Immaculate Conception reminds us, Mary from the very first moment of her conception was preserved from all stain of original sin from the merits of her son's future life, death, and resurrection. So why was that important? What does that really mean? I think our first reading today gives us the context and the understanding of what it really means for the Immaculate Conception. We've gone through catechism classes, we've studied religious ed, so we kind of are familiar with what the church teaches. But let us look again very carefully through our first reading today from Genesis. It is when Adam and Eve eats from the forbidden fruit and Eve is then playing the blame game and saying the serpent did it, the man did it, and they fall. But what does that show us and illustrate for us today? It shows us three things. First and foremost, the broken relationship between us and God. From the very beginning of time, God created us to know, to love, and to serve him in this life and in the next. We were called and intended for to be in relationship, a relationship of love with God. 
That was the reason why he created us. But instead of staying and being in relationship with God, Adam and Eve decided to turn away and turn their backs to God's love. Secondly, it's the broken relationship between each other. Instead of a loving relationship where it's a mea culpa, I did something wrong, we begin to see this blame game between Adam and Eve and the serpent. That forced me to do it. He did it. That broke and severed our connection with each other. Then finally, it broke our hearts. Because instead of doing what we ought to do, it became doing what I want to do. What is better for me. To put it in a very easy and a simple context, from the beginning of time, God created a house, a family, a place of love for all his children to live, to be with him, and to be in right relationship with him. But what Adam and Eve decided to do was instead of being in a home, dwelling in a family, they decided to walk out on that family, to live outside that relationship, to live outside that love, and to live outside that house of God, a house of relationship, a house of connecting with God. And for that reason, us as their children have inherited this broken relationship, this inability to come back and relate to God the Father, this inability to relate with each other, and this inability in our hearts of sin where we do what we ought, want to do, not what is good for us and what we ought to do in our lives. And so what then is restored? We see the restoration occur in our gospel reading today in and through Mary. We see Mary from the moment of her, we see Mary as the new Eve, the one who restores the right relationship with God. Because we see in Eve, the angel of light, Lucifer, speaking to a woman without sin and turning her into disobedience and dis, dis, disbelief of what has been instructed to her. And therefore has turned away from God. And we, therefore, through Adam, inherit original sin. But in Mary, we see the complete opposite and the complete restoration in our gospel. We see the angel appear to Mary saying, Hail, full of grace. This hail full of grace is a woman who embodies the wholeness, the obedience to God, the trusting in God, and is constantly overflowing in doing the will of God in her life. And so in that obedience, in that belief, she carries our Lord incarnate and becomes the conduit of obedience and belief in God the Father. And in doing so, she restores what was broken by Eve and becomes a new Eve and illustrating the way for each and every one of us to come back into relationship with the Father 
Because it's in her yes, in her belief and trust in God, in the obedience to the will of the Father, that Jesus Christ becomes incarnate and becomes the bridge through which we can come back into the house of the Lord, to be in relationship of love with the Lord, and to be in a family and belong to a family. But what happens to us, though, as we come back to that family, to that house, we're not perfect. We're washed away, we washed original sin through the waters of baptism. But because we live in this world, because we have been away from the house of the Lord, we still have remnants and we still have our tendencies in our lives to stay away, to be in wrong relationship, and to really not love God. But every day of our lives, we strive day in and day out to live that life, to be in right relationship with God, to belong to a family, and most importantly, to be under the house of God's love and God's care for us. So for Mary, from the moment of her conception, she, preserved from the division, she was preserved from the division from God, from each other, and from the broken heart. The dim light of sin and the intellectual weakening of sin was never attracted to her. So what does that mean for us then? Yes, that's great that Mary has been preserved from sin. Yes, she was immaculately conceived. What does that mean for you and I? It's simply that. It's the bridge that connects us to Jesus, to the cross, the bridge that brings us to our eternal home. The image when we study Marian theology illustrates her relationship in this way. Mary brings, we bring to the table, to our relationship with God, an imperfect apple that has been bitten out of that has holes and has been rotten away. But Mary takes that imperfect apple of our lives, of our relationship, puts it on a golden platter, makes it look beautiful and decorates it, and presents it to her son, and presents it in a way that her son is pleased with. In our own lives, we struggle and we have challenges in our own lives, saying yes to the Lord. Each and every one of us has a particular mission, particular vocation, and a particular calling that we are called to do. We hear in our, our second reading from the letter of St. Paul that we're all meant to be in a state that Mary has been, to be joyful, to be exciting, to say yes to the Lord in everything we do, but we struggle every day to do so. But what we can do is run to our mother, asking her for her help, her guidance, to become better, to follow her example in saying yes, and to fulfill the task, the mission that is set for each and every one of us. I'm reminded of a song, I can't remember the title right now, but the, art, the artist writes, Lord, I see all these destructions in the world. 
I see all these homeless people roaming around. What am I to do? The artist brings it to prayer and he hears God respond. That's why I created you. We each have a specific task. We see Mary's task today is to say yes to the Lord, to be obedient and to believe in everything that has been entrusted to her and to do the mission of the Lord. Without her yes, without her willingness to do so, salvation history would look much different. But God chose this way as the perfect way and the way in which the graces and the love of God will be brought into the world. There's about 2,000 of us sitting here in this church. If we each said yes to our particular mission, to our particular vocation, and to the work of the Lord, how would this world look today? How would the world be today if each and every one of us strives to live out our yes to the Lord every day of our lives? If Mary's yes to the Lord brought about the incarnation to this world to save the world, our simple yes to the Lord can make a drastic impact on this world can begin to change ourselves, can begin to change our church, and most importantly, can begin to change our community. But he will not do it without our yes, because we each have a particular mission, because each of us has a particular vocation, and each of us has a particular call to do God's will. So my dear brothers and sisters, as we celebrate the Immaculate Conception, we are reminded of Mary's yes. Mary's yes in obedience, Mary's yes in her trust and belief in God to do God's will. In doing so, she's connected us back to the cross and to God the Father, where we're meant to be in heaven. But it was that yes, my dear brothers and sisters. So who is with me to say yes to the Lord every day of our lives? Who is with me striving every day to do God's will in their lives? And who is with me to say yes to our Lord and to follow his will even if it means death? Amen.